Open your Bibles, please, to the little book of Haggai. Toward the end of your Old Testaments, the minor prophet Haggai. It's a pleasure to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. Amen. It seemed good in his sight to give me more responsibility than I really want because I just want to be a babe and a suckling. And I want him to perfect praise out of my mouth as a babe and a suckling. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the King of David, to David the King, and blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. I hope that you want to be babes and sucklings as well today. What a glorious escort they gave him an entrance into the city of Jerusalem in those chapters that we were able to read last evening. And the Pharisees that couldn't stand such gospel and doctrine being preached about Jesus being the Messiah of Israel asked him to silence them and he said if they were to stop the rocks would cry out. And so let's be Gentile rocks today and cry out. It's all about him. We want our church to be all about him. I want your life to be all about him. Your marriage to be all about him. Your home to be all about him. Your problems will disappear if it's all about him. David had the glorious and grand idea to build God a costly, glorious temple. God was very pleased with David's ambition. What is your ambition and the cost that you want to pay to the Lord? We want to think about that today. God gave David the blueprint for the temple that Solomon ended up building, and David raised the funds and the materials for it and the workmen. David told his son Solomon to build it, decorate it, and it had to be exceeding magnificent. The Bible details in the first eight chapters of 1 Kings how Solomon built it, decorated it, and opened it with the greatest ceremony described in the Bible outside of heaven. God honored David and Solomon by his glory filling that temple so that the priests could not minister. Are you familiar with all these basic facts from the Old Testament? The priests could not go into the temple that Solomon built because God's glory had filled that house and was so overwhelmingly powerful. After 400 plus years of disobedience, God sent Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonian to destroy that first temple that David and Solomon had built. After 70 years of captivity in Babylon, God sent a small remnant, about 45,000 total souls, back to Jerusalem to build another temple under the direction of Cyrus the Persian. God sent two prophets, Zechariah and Haggai, to stir up that little remnant to build the city of Jerusalem and that temple. And that's why you have those two books in your Bible. They're two latter prophets that were to encourage Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest, in rebuilding the city of Jerusalem and that temple. The older ones, the 80 and 90-year-old ones, that had been captive in Babylon, that came back with Zerubbabel, when they looked at the footings that were being dug for this very small, modest temple, and that they didn't have any gold or silver, they were discouraged, and here are the words about them. Verse 3 of chapter 2. This is the word of the Lord 
to them and to us. Who is left among you that saw this house? That means who hasn't died? Because it's been 70 years since they were gone. Who is left among you that saw this house, this temple, in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? It, it was nothing. Those, those little footings and the little strings that they had on stakes were so small and they didn't have anything to put it. There was, they didn't have cedar trees from Lebanon. They didn't have gold or silver. They didn't have anything. It was pitiful. It was nothing. For the few that were still alive that were old enough to remember how beautiful Solomon's temple was. God promised to them to turn religious things upside down a final time for this temple. And so we have verse 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once, one more time, it is a little while, it is not far away. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. This is God promising what he would do for Zerubbabel's temple, the second temple, the latter house. The first temple, Solomon's temple, is called the former house. You can use the words former and latter when you're comparing two things. God promised that he would send the desire of all nations to visit the latter house or this second temple. You with me? God would send the desire of all nations to visit the second temple. The desire of all nations did not visit the first temple. And so we have it in verse 7. And the desire of all nations shall come. That little temple that they were building, those little footings, were going to get a visitor, and the visitor was the desire of all nations. Amen. God promised he would fill this latter house with glory, so they did not have to worry. They knew the story, that the priests could not enter into the first temple because the glory of God had filled it. And so he says in the latter part of verse 7, I will fill this house with glory. Don't you worry about it appearing as nothing in your memories of what Solomon built. I will fill this house with glory. In verse 8, the gold and silver in the world are mine anyway. I don't need gifts of gravel. Verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. I don't need gifts of gravel. That is not what makes a temple glorious. Then he promised that the glory of this latter house would be greater than Solomon's. Verse 9, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. The former being Solomon's temple, the latter being Zerubbabel's temple, the glory is going to be greater in this second temple. Right. He promised, the Lord of hosts promised to encourage them that he would make peace with his people forever in the latter house. And in this place will I give peace saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. It was in the second temple that a veil that was four inches thick, 60 feet tall, and had to be put in place by a large team of horses was rent from top to bottom so that the way into the presence of God was wide open. Jesus, the desire of all nations, came to this temple. Jesus never visited Solomon's temple. David never even visited Solomon's temple. Jesus visited the second temple. He first visited it when he was eight days old. He visited it when he was 12. 
He confounded doctors of the law there when he was 12 years old, being about his father's business. He went every year to the feast where he was supposed to go to Jerusalem and be there. He preached in that temple. He healed in that temple. He drove money changers out of that temple. He was in that temple many times, and in John 12, he rode an ass's colt to that temple. The second temple is all gone. The second temple in Jerusalem was leveled by Titus Caesar and the Roman armies in 70 AD. The second temple was most glorious while it was up at the end of its existence because it's all about him. It's all about him. It's not gold. It's not silver. It's all about him. And the desire of all nations visited that second temple. That made it more glorious than the first temple. It was not Herod's luxurious additions that he built onto that temple later, Herod the Great. It was Jesus visited that temple. The desire of all nations came and not only came and visited it as an eight-day-old baby, as a 12-year-old boy, but he made peace by dying outside that city's walls on the cross of Calvary. It's all about him. It's all about him. And so you have this Haggai's the simplest book in the Bible. It's my favorite passage right here, just about of the whole Bible. Because you start with showing the glory of Solomon's temple, and it was significant, and how God filled that house with glory. But then you read these kind of words, and you realize that God measures things differently, and he measures them by the degree that his presence is there. God has revealed himself to us in creation. He's revealed himself to us in conscience. He's revealed himself to us in providence of good things in our lives. He's revealed himself to us by the Bible, but he's most of all revealed himself to us by his son. It's all about him. Your baby's eyelashes don't reveal the glory of God. Pardon me. Forgive me, please. A sunrise doesn't reveal the glory of God like the Lord Jesus Christ reveals the glory of God. God created all those other things in order for a stage. It's, it's It's the stage to reveal his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the one that we want to make the central place in our church, in our homes, our lives, our marriages. Where he's there, other things that are bad go out. He brings the glory of God in. And so we want to love the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. It's all about him. And that's what made that temple glorious. Look at that ninth verse. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Look at who's speaking. It's the Lord of hosts. Do you know how many times he mentions his own name in here? Saith the Lord of hosts. Because it's all about his son. Does it say Lord of hosts in verse 8? Does it say Lord of hosts in verse 7? Does it say Lord of hosts in verse 6? Amen, it does. Right. We don't look like very much this morning. Can we call ourselves trailer trash Christians? Sure. I, don't be, I don't want to be offensive to anyone with that description. Please, don't, you're taking it the wrong way. But we don't have that much here. But that's not what counts. The glory of this house... The glory of this church is the degree that Jesus Christ, the desire of all nations, is here. Right. Heavenly Father, blessed God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come before thee, O Lord of hosts. Hear us 
as we call upon thee, send forth thy spirit in power to reveal and witness the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts, to our minds, opening the word of God to us that we might delight in him this day. Heavenly Father, we do not have the opportunity in the way that Martha and Mary and Lazarus had and Simon the leper to host the Lord Jesus Christ for a meal. But we read something better, that he addressed the church of Laodicea and said that he stood at the door and knocked. And if any man would open that door, he would come in and sup with him, and that man could sup with the Lord. Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask thee to come into this church today and sup with us and we with thee. Heavenly Father, we want your Son to be magnified today in all that we do. Glorify thyself through him to us. O Lord, we pray. Heavenly Father, rid us of any hypocrites whose first love is not the Lord Jesus Christ, who think more about themselves, who talk more about themselves than think and talk about thy Son, the Lord Jesus. Let us be lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ like Mary was. Let us rack our minds today that we might think of those ways that we can anoint the feet of Jesus like she did and wipe them with the hairs of our head. Heavenly Father, help us to think of something costly that we might give thee for thy son's sake. O Lord, have mercy upon us, Heavenly Father. Cause us this day to dance. Let us be filled with the joy of the Spirit as we think upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee that we have three quarters of our Bible describing the first houses of worship for your Son and for your sake. And we thank thee that we have a church of the Lord Jesus Christ to worship him in in the New Testament way. We thank thee that Solomon's house, though splendid, though very costly, though exceeding magnificent, and though filled with your glory, did not have the glory of the latter house because it did not have a visit from the desire of all nations. Heavenly Father, we live here in the Piedmont of the Carolinas of the North American continent, and we thank thee that though we are far away from Israel, that the desire of our hearts, the desire of our church, came into this world 2,000 years ago, laid down his life for our sins, rose again the third day, and ascended up into heaven, and is seated at thy right hand. And it's in his name, that we commit ourselves as unworthy Gentiles, confessing our sins and asking you to bless us this day as we worship thy Son. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray. Amen. Amen. It's all about him.